Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello. Hey, buddy. I think we are live. Yeah, we are live. I'm just waiting for the room to fill up a little bit. So how how far were you into uh, your preparations for your holidays? I should probably let listeners know that this is all tech. This is all technically your fault because after we recorded the podcast last night, you said to me, "I'm going skiing for five days unless something big happens, and I'll have to run back to my desk." And it, things basically can't get much bigger than this. So I'm I'm basically blaming you for this. Well, in fairness, I have a wonderful colleague in Daniel Bush, and he got the story up already. So. Um... I am mostly packed. I'm supposed to drive to the, well, first to the ferry, go to the mainland, and then up to Whistler um, in a few hours. So <laughs> the timing of this is actually quite good. <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. As long as you don't get to ruin your holiday, or else no. your Dortmund would have been getting a very stern and angry email from Transfermarkt. <laughs> Tomorrow would have been problematic. There would have been no way. But today is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got to say too, I kind of thought that we would get a response today um, where he was going. Um, I have to be quite honest. I spoke to some sources yesterday and um, they said to me that Dortmund are talking to him. But when I heard his demands of 12 to 15 million euros, um, I thought, okay, well, this is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of, uh, we were, we kind of got this news at the same time, didn't we? Because we both finished recording the podcast and then I spoke to someone as well who mm-hmm. um, knows things very well about it and, uh, you know, I'd go so far as to possibly say has been in discussions with Sula and his agent. Uh, and they told me what his demands were. And that's yeah. why I, which is why I put up that piece today, basically saying he wants 12 to 15 million euros. And as a result, and what I was told, that blows any Bundesliga side out of the, out of the water. We talked about in the podcast last night that, um, you know, maybe Leipzig, if they really wanted to just kind of properly make a statement. But in terms of Dortmund, uh, it, it, seems, it seemed like too much money. But it's now looking as though he's probably going to make about 10 million euros a year at Dortmund. So it's more. Yeah. It's more. Um, I asked that number is not correct. <laughs> he's getting what he demanded at Bayern. Well, there we go then, which is really quite something, isn't it? We should probably start. Should we just go straight into what this means for Dortmund first then? I think we, we I have quite a few listeners yeah he is i think we should we should about get started with this show um what, what does that mean i mean you wrote down the the pointers right and uh what does that mean for dortmund hmm. um 
I think it's very significant and a really big response to what has been going on for quite some time. I mean, yesterday, um, we saw how much trouble this defense is in. And, um, and this has not been the first time. I think yesterday just showed how big the problem was. And then on top of that, I spoke to a couple of people doing the research about Sule. And then one source said to me like, oh, Manuel Kanji has turned down his last two contract offers. So at that stage, I was like, okay, well, they really need to do something in at center back, right? Um, if I say I knew that Dortmund were going to announce Sule today, I would be lying. Um, I am surprised by it um, in some ways and shocked. But at the same time, it makes a ton of sense. They're getting one of the best best German available centre-backs in the world. And um, they're getting him on a free transfer, although at a significant sign-on, I guess. And, of course, um, also a high salary. But it is the position that they needed to do something at, right? Um, no other position at in the squad has, has bigger issues. And... I think in that regard, they basically identified the best possible available player and they went out and got him. And I think that is such a remarkable thing from a club that usually sees their best players leave to go somewhere else because someone else is doing exactly what they just did. And I think for Dortmund, we were talking yesterday, Dortmund needs some sort of Frank Ribéry moment on the gegenpressing podcast, right? Like finally bring in a player who is not just a, a, a product or keep one of the best players, but kind of make a statement signing. I think this is a statement signing, Stefan. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I was actually trying to think of the last time that Dortmund had maybe signed a player from Bayern, who Bayern wanted to keep, and really struggling. I mean, I thought maybe Mats Hummels back in the day, but then he was a youth player who Bayern weren't particularly crazy about. I know there's possibly been players in the past who Dortmund had beaten Bayern to the signing of, um, but you know, it's it's still it's it's monumental not only in in a very real immediate sense for Dortmund and for Bayern, but it's a big moment for the Bundesliga where a lot of the people who now follow the league who came along within the last ten years they've watched Dortmund get dismantled by Bayern Munich that famous Jurgen Klopp side and the way that certain players have moved on when they set, when they've hit certain peaks. You've now got Dortmund being very aggressive in the market potentially pushing beyond their own wage bill or beyond their own wage uh, salary bill to bring in a player of this magnitude. And there's no denying that it's a player who Bayern Munich wants to keep. So it's huge. It's, 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 I think it immediately improves Dortmund's defence. Uh, it's, it's a galvanising moment for the club and for the fans. I said on the podcast last night, I think, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or if I said this before or after it, but I said it'd be really good politics if someone at Dortmund leaked this story right after the Bayern, uh, the Leverkusen game. Well, that's exactly uh, what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I think I think also a large part of it was that the cat was largely out of the bag when. Uh, so anyone who maybe doesn't know, uh, Sula's agent was on Sport Science over the weekend, and he basically confirmed that yes, he's leaving. Uh, he's already decided where he's going. He dismissed the fact that it could be Newcastle, uh, and. You know, once you get to that point, it's only a matter of time before someone lets slip what's going on. So it does make sense that after something like that happened, um, you know, Dortmund very quickly had to kind of take control of the situation, make the announcement. And and yeah, now we're all talking about 
Dortmund get one over Bayern rather than getting thumped off by Leverkusen, which is good news for Dortmund. But yeah, on, on, the, on the whole, I think it's a great signing for Bayern, uh, for Dortmund rather, terrible move for Bayern. Um, he goes into that team potentially as their best central defender. Uh, I know Kanji's got talent and he's got potential. He could develop into a great player. Matt Hummels has experience, but that's exactly, exactly the player that Dortmund have been crying out for. Now they just have to get a decent defensive midfielder and then we might have something resembling a title challenge next season. Yeah, I also think that um, is the, he's the first of two signings, Stefan, um, in centre-back. I tweeted this out yesterday and I said, well, Dortmund should do everything in their power to go after Niklas Süle and Matthias Ginter sign them both on a free. Well, that's 50% done. <laughs> right? Um, I'm not saying Ginter is done as well, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to go for another centre-back and bring in another centre-back because if, if Manuel Akanji doesn't want to renew his contract, they will probably sell him because they're going to still get money. Um, what I'm curious about, and we were talking about this yesterday in the show that Dortmund needs some sort of moment where they say um, they're not not developing a player and then sell them on, but where they actually either bring in a big name or they actually keep one of their big names. And I, I think Sule is is kind of that guy. Um, I think where this where it becomes interesting now what will do this to the rest of the squad what, what will do this to Erling Haaland and his future is he going to say oh wow this is a, this is a great move this is the sort of player that we need maybe I'll stick around for another year what's your thoughts on that yeah it's a really interesting point um the the, the Erling Haaland thing is really interesting because when you do watch him on and off the pitch and it was evident again on Sunday in, in the Leverkusen game. The guy's completely hardwired into the squad right now. Um, you know, he's been asked and asked about potentially if he's going to come, if he's going to stay. He seems to get quite annoyed when the topic comes up. Not in the sense like that, you know, he's, he's, he wants to keep things hush-hush. It's almost as if he doesn't even want to contemplate it. He just wants to get on with the football. Um, we've kind of spoken about this in the podcast before. I think if he's determined to move to Real Madrid, it's not happening this summer. So, you know, I know this goes back and forth a lot, but I've actually, the way I see it right now is that unless he makes a move to England, he's actually probably going to end up staying for another summer, which would make sense as to why he would maybe look at this signing and think, well, this is fantastic news. It gives us an even better chance of going on and challenging for proper titles next season. It'd be interesting to see what it means for the defence as well, because... You know, you've also got guys there like Matt Hummels, uh, Kanji, Sagadu, whoever else, um, probably wondering, well, what does this do for my situation? Um, as you said, I think probably another central defender is still necessary. Obviously, Schlotterbeck is the one who's been, you know, referenced a lot. He's a young, exciting German defender, probably one that's going to probably cost about 25, 30 million euros in the summer. Um if Akanji walks out the door and then he comes in, then I don't really think Dortmund fans would be particularly too bored about it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, part of me does wonder if this is almost kind of like Dortmund getting their ducks in the road before they have to go on and sell someone like Haaland. You know, they've, we've seen them being, re, being linked with midfielders and forwards. Schlotterbeck was one who was largely um, linked and he's going to cost a lot of money as well. So, you know, 
and of course Nicolas Sula is not exactly the, the thing about these kind of deals is that even though it's a free transfer his arrival will still cost a significant amount of money for Dortmund so whether that's in terms of sign-on fee or what else it means for the you know the, the increased wage bills so this will probably have ramifications as to what happens in the summer but it's, it's certainly good news. It's At the end of the day, it's a sign of intent, isn't it? It's a sign that Dortmund are ready to kind of lock horns with Bayern. They're ready to, you know, really slide in there and take advantage of things when Bayern start wobbling a wee bit. And we can, we can go on to talk about Bayern in a moment, what this means for them. But it does suggest that things aren't all... Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I think this is probably the... the inter- yeah, I just lost you there for just a second, buddy. But I think we should maybe um, move before we we open the floor to the listeners. I, I see a ton of requests. Don't worry, I see them. Um, bear with me there, please. Um, I do want to talk about what that does mean for Bayern Munich. And I mean, they have known that Sula is going to leave for quite some time. Um, I don't think they have not too much bothered about him going to Dortmund. Um, I think they bothered about the fact that he's leaving for sure. They definitely wanted to keep him. This is, I've seen some people on Twitter suggest that um, they didn't want to keep him anyways. Well, I'm sorry, but that's absolute nonsense. If you, if you're thinking that you, you haven't followed this narrative at all. Um, Nagelsmann wouldn't play him in a game like yesterday's game. If he didn't have any sort of intent of keeping him, the club very much um, went to the limit to sign, sign him to a new deal. Um, and I think for them, he's filling, he's leaving quite a big hole. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to fill it, right? I mean, a couple of names that come to mind that we have been discussing on the podcast before. Um, one of them is Antonio Rüdiger from Chelsea and the other one is uh, Christensen, also from Chelsea. Those are two names that have been heavily linked. Um, so I guess for Bayern Munich, this is now... They have certainty. Um, I think it will be interesting to see what they're going to do with Sule for the rest of the season. Um, of course, for them, I think the title is more or less wrapped up. Um, there's no, I think, nine points is just too big to overcome for Borussia Dortmund um, at this stage. I think it was quite telling for Bayern Munich that yesterday um, they announced that Manuel Neuer was getting a meniscus operation. Um, the timing of that is significant because, of course, that gets him back fit in time for just after the, the Salzburg Champions League game, right? Um, for when really heats up for Bayern Munich. Their focus has completely shifted to that. But I think for Bayern right now, Stefan, for them it's all about finding a replacement. And um, I think the, the two targets that we've mentioned are probably the, the on the very top of the shopping list. Yeah, this is really interesting for Bayern because you've got a situation where they've lost a key player, Um and, I, and like you said, there's a lot of debate over how good Nicolas Sula actually is because of the nature of his injuries over the course of the years, which has led to him a lack of game time. I think a lot of people possibly look at his career at Bayern Munich on paper and assume he didn't play because he wasn't very good, but it's quite the opposite. It's because of injuries. And although he maybe wasn't in the squad much last season when he was still trying to regain his fitness, it's worth bearing in mind that Julian Nagelsmann has more or less played him and started him whenever he could this season. Um, so we're talking about a player of that quality and it's really interesting from a transfer point of view because you have a situation at Bayern right now where there's a kind of changing of the guard. You've also got Oliver Kahn coming in as CEO. Uh, Sajamovic has been there for a while now, but you know he's still 
coming to terms with how to do the job properly. There's been a fair lot of criticism over the last couple of years as to the players he's been bringing in. Obviously, butted heads quite famously with Hansi Flick. Um, and, you know, that situation kind of neatly fixed itself when Flick decided to go take on the Germany job. I'm really intrigued to see how that would have worked out in the end if Flick had, if that opportunity hadn't come up and Flick had stayed on at Barn. Um, so that's kind of been a problem that's been kind of brushed under the carpet and conveniently forgotten about. But, you know, even, even if we just narrow in on the defence right now, we're talking about over the course of the last 12 months, over the course of 12 months, you're going to have Jerome Boateng leaving, David Alba leaving, and now Nicolas Sula leaving. And, you know, we can debate the merits and the qualities of each of these three players. Is Boateng still as good as he was? Possibly not. Um, is Nicolas Sula a guaranteed starter? Possibly not. Was David Alaba as good a centre-back as he was a left-back? Possibly not. But we're still talking about three players who have huge experience at Bayern. Uh, three players that are really integral to that first team. And they've now been moved on. And if you kind of look at what's left there in that Bayern defence next summer, you've got Hernandez, who possibly the best central defender at the club right now, but he's also one who's had to really kind of redevelop himself into a central defender from... I know he played at Atletico Madrid before he joined the club, but he's been moved around a lot this season, uh, over the time at Bayern Munich. You've got Benjamin Pavard, a similar situation, a fullback slash central defender who's never really confirmed himself as a central defender at the club. And then you've got Open Meccano, who, young player, bags potential. But I don't think it's unfair to say he hasn't entirely proved himself at the club this season. Um, which is probably evident from the fact that he didn't start against RB Leipzig the weekend there. So, you know, you're looking at a position or a, you know, a, a part of that squad that is by no means settled, um, has no means, you know, got the players in place to kind of last the long haul for the next two or three seasons. And unlike Dortmund, perhaps, they're going to have to probably go and spend quite a lot of money in the summer because they probably need an essential defender, at least one, and Bayern as a whole, Sally Hamovic, Oliver Kahn, whoever else, they're going to have to prove that they can kind of stem these departures. Um, because no matter what you want to say about whether Sula was a big player, where the Bayern wanted to keep him, they certainly didn't want to lose him. And none of this, none of this process has gone along the lines of, with, in which Bayern were in control of things. So that's what I'm really interest, intrigued by as to what they do in the summer, because none of this has kind of gone along to Bayern's plan and that in itself is something that's quite unusual in German football. Yeah, of course, the the, the big question now is uh, are Bayern going to exact their revenge by signing Erling Haaland on a free transfer? Um, <laughs> Can he play central defence? No, <laughs> but will they do it just out of spite? Um, I don't think that they have that sort of money. Um, that's just that's just my thought on this. Um, I, I think the other one that's going to be interesting before we open the floor, they, they still have Chris Richards out on loan at Hoffenheim and he's done quite well there. So maybe he is going to be one as well who's going to come back and help fill, fill, um, fill the, the, the needs that they have at centre-back. But it's, it is an interesting one in terms of what they're going to do. And I think at this stage, they probably have to do more than one thing because Upamecano wasn't exact, isn't, hasn't been exactly the player that they expected he would be, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which brings a kind of great irony to all this because Upamecano, of course, has the exact same agent as Nicolas Sula. So mm. 
you probably had a situation last summer, and I'm sure we maybe talked about it at the time, in which Nicholas Suna is going into training every week. So when did when Bayern actually obviously signed Meccano last January, about this time last year, wasn't it? So he was obviously going into training every week at Bayern Munich, knowing fine well that the club were signing a younger, more expensive central defender. And that's possibly where this is all stemmed from. So it's a, it's a really interesting situation. Richards is, a, is kind of is an exciting young player. It'd be intriguing to see how Nagelsmann can kind of incorporate him into his squad. But I still do kind of, we've, we've talked about this in the podcast a few times in the last couple of weeks or months, still not entirely impressed by Bayern defensively this season. Um, you know, Nagelsmann played a very attacking team against Leipzig. He kind of laughed it off after the game saying, look, all my attacking players are playing so well, I can't really drop any of them. But I do wonder if, reading between the lines, that's him kind of saying, I'm really struggling to get clean sheets out of this team right now. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's inter- I'd be really interested to see how Bayern do between now and the end of the season because, of course, they've got the capacity to go and win the Champions League and then, you know, everything's absolutely fine. But if they do end up getting knocked out and shipping a lot of goals, then there could be a huge kind of retrospective analysis of, of this of this defence. And it might come down to a lot of people saying, maybe we should have actually offered Nicolas Suna a bit more to stay put. Yeah, possibly. Um, should we open the floor for, to some questions, Stefan? I think this is a good time to do it. Absolutely, let's go for it. I know um, there's an account here, Go Dogs. It's been uh, asking from the very start to be invited. Um, so let's let's bring him in. Um, see how we do this. All right, you're free to speak. <laughs> Shoot us your questions, go dogs, if you still have it. Hi guys, thank you, uh, Manuel. I noticed you uh, mentioned uh, Matt Ginter coming back to the club, um, but I've seen a lot of reports about Nico Schlotterbach as the other center back that they're considering. Who else would you consider would be on their radar, as well as the idea that we also need fullbacks and um, some additional help in midfield as well and wingers? So, just love to get your thoughts on that. Thanks. Um, yeah, I guess I'll take that first and then you can maybe add um, as well, um, Stefan. But yeah, um, Schlotterbeck has been kind of rumored for some time. Um, same same with Gint. I'll, although I still personally think that Ginter is more likely to go to uh, Inter Milan. That's, that's a rumor that just doesn't want to go away. Um, I think Schlotterbeck would be a brilliant signing. Um, very good player at Freiburg, right? And has really developed his game and is, is a national team player as well. And which, of course, if you have two national team players playing together, that always helps your club. It helps your country as well. And I think um, a very, in my opinion, a logical signing. Um, I don't know what you think, Stefan, about Schlotterberg, but I think that's a player who I think would fit this team really well. Yeah, he seems to be the one that everyone's talking about. Um, exciting young German international. And it fits Dorman's wheelhouse very well. I mean, I know Bayern Munich kind of have this reputation for buying up all the best players in the Bundesliga, but in fact, it's actually Dortmund that tend to do who tend to be far more aggressive within the domestic market. Interestingly enough, it's a good question. But interestingly enough, I haven't actually seen a number of fullbacks being linked with Dortmund, um, which maybe because 
you know, the club are probably quite happy with Thomas Munier, uh, who I actually think had a decent season so far. Uh, Rafael Gallero, I don't think, had a great season, but he's obviously a good player on his day. Uh, I'd actually maybe throw this back to you, Manu, Manuel, Manu, Manu, <laughs> and uh, here's a name for you. What, about, what do you think about Joe Scali at Gladbach? Joe Scali at Gladbach, oh wow, that, that would make get a lot of Americans excited. <laughs> he's been very good, and I think Gladbach need money. And uh, he's a Gladbach player, so that means he will eventually be a Dortmund player, that's how it works. Well, yeah, Gladbach, Gladbach and Leverkusen are uh, Dortmund's palm teams, right? I, I, I feel like um, both those, Bayern and, Bayern and I mean, this is a narrative that I personally think is very dumb. Um, it gets played by the international market to a large extent that Bayern sign all the best players within the league. I think all the top Bundesliga teams all buy their best players from the teams below them. Um, because it's that's just how Germany is, and um, Dortmund are just as guilty, even more guilty so than the Bayern is. Um, this is, I think, Sule is a funny example because they're, they're getting the, a prize defender from their direct rival in this case. But it's something that's quite normal and always has been normal in this league. Um, and Scali, of course, I think he has done so very well, and I think Dortmund are so aggressive on the U.S. market as well that I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they would do. Um, yeah, and I think that is a position that they need to add something. Um, so I guess that's that's an interesting one to follow. Yeah, should we get another question? That was a good question. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I know Pritam has been asking next, so let me bring him in. Pritam Gua. There you go. If he wants to ask. Yeah. Pritam, your, your speaker's muted. At the hey, hi, guys. Go. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah. So you guys have been telling that uh, Schlotterbeck is rumored with Dortmund, right? So, But what are the chances of him going to Bayern now that Dortmund has pulled one over Bayern, right? That's my question. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Schlotterbeck, my understanding is, has been discussed at Bayern Munich, but and they have been linked to him as well. But my thought has always been that uh, he, that the club wasn't a hundred percent sure about him. Um, of course, this could now change. This is literally an hour after Dortmund announced um, Süle, right? So Bayern Munich will have to do something in that position. And um, it wouldn't shock me if they, of course, would go after Schlotterbeck now too. There is, of course, a history as well between uh, Bayern and Dortmund going after a Freiburg player. That's Sebastian Kehl when he first joined um, Dortmund. He was actually already had a contract agreed with Bayern. Not signed, but agreed. And then Dortmund beat him, beat him to it. So... It's not the first time that Dortmund and Bayern Munich are trying to sign the same guy. And, um, well, I guess we'll see. Um, do you have any thoughts on this, Stefan? Yeah, I, I would only add that, yeah, he has actually been linked to Bayern. Not as much as he has to Dortmund, but it's certainly out there. Um, from what I can tell, they're far more interested in Christensen at Chelsea, to the extent that I think that maybe played a part in why Sula has decided to move on. So I would probably go so far as to say he's possibly there you know, their main target in the summer. 
So, but then you know, Bayern can always Bayern, and then as you said, they can maybe skip the queue and go for Schlotterbeck. Uh, but we don't really tend to see players f- from mid table in the Bundesliga move straight up to Bayern. Although I'm sure people could probably mention four or five off the top of their head that contradict that point. But it's uh, it, it, it would be quite surprising for me, I would say. But you never know. I think I think Christiansen's still probably their main target, though. Hmm. I think Little Monster was next. So I already invited him as a speaker. Um, yeah, shoot, man. If you find the unmute button, that is. He's probably making a cup of tea. He's probably completely forgot. All right. Should we then uh, move on to uh, Luis, the whatever finance minister, I guess? It's been... <laughs> the Sopranos reference. Um uh, hey, gentlemen, uh, good conversation so far. So I just wanted to get your take on the optics of this when you look at Bayern's board's lack of negotiation ability with these expiring contracts. I think it was last week, you know, it was getting rumored that Brazo was looking at a pretty serious extension with Khan just outsourcing all of the future transfer decisions to him. I mean, does this change the calculus there at all? Like, how damning is it? That's a very good question. Um, I think Brazzo and Oli are very good friends and um, their relationship is quite tight. I think that Bayern Munich collectively made a decision to walk away from these con- contract negotiations. And the moment you do that, you lose control over where the player is going, right? And, and in this case, I think... Um, Bayern Munich have made decisions like this in the past. Uh, the most famous one is, of course, Michael Ballack, who um, they, they went into negotiations and um, in the end they couldn't sign. Uh, David Alaba is another, right? And Thiago is yet another. And um, I think, I guess, where your question is going to is um, this has been happening more and more, which, of course, um, beckons the question of how... And as far as Salihamidzic able to actually keep this group of players together. And I thought it was really interesting when I spoke to a source about Dennis Zakaria potentially going to Bayern Munich. And they were very interested in him, but only for a summer move, right? And um, the, the source told me, yeah, they are interested, but they are very busy trying to keep the players that they have because the salary demands are going up. And Bayern Munich have to make all their money themselves, right? And uh, because of that, it's it's gotten increasingly more difficult for them to keep their players together and the squad together. And I think um, this isn't necessarily just about Salihamidzic being unable to negotiate contracts, but it also just kind of highlights how difficult the financial situation, even for a big club like Bayern Munich, has been because of COVID. And I think this is probably the narrative that you that that is probably more important in this. I don't know if you want to add anything to this, Stefan. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic and question because the way that Bayern Munich have kind of evolved in the modern market is that, you know, they're obviously not going to spend Premier League sides or, you know, the money at PSG, uh, but they have been far more savvy with trying to pick up really good deals when we see them. We've seen a lot of players move from the United States, obviously, uh, Jamal Musiala, we saw them try to pick up Pedri before he moved to Barcelona, for example. Um, so, you know, 
they are getting far more savvy at picking up players rather than spending 40, 50 million euros on them five years later. But obviously the natural consequence of that is that it means that they have the players that they have, but it means whenever the contract negotiations come up, it usually bumps up the wages. And we have seen a kind of um, natural kind of almost chain reaction throughout the squad over the last 12 months. You know, obviously David Alaba was pushing for big wages to let him go, but Kingsley Coleman made similar comments or made similar demands and he got his made because he's in a position where they think, well, possibly it would cost even more to sign a replacement for him. Coleman now has a deal that's probably similar to Sani's. And then, but then the consequence to that is that Serge Gnabry's contract's now up and now he's pushing for better deals. So, you know, there's, there's obviously um, advantages and disadvantages to all these things, but to go back to kind of the general question and the optics of all this, I think it's a really good point. Um, I kind of mentioned this earlier, in, earlier on this show or whatever you want to call it, that I really do think people at Bayern Munich right now would be thinking we have to go out in the summer and kind of rectify this because, you know, if we're, if, if we're going to put all our eggs in the basket of trying to keep our best players when we lose them, we then have to basically go out and spend money uh, to, 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 to replace them or to fill holes in the squad. So it'd be really interesting to see who they bring in and how much money they go out and spend. Uh, because I do, as you said, you know, you've just been watching Bayern for the last 12 months or so and it has been a situation in which they've been trying to consolidate even the, the money they have spent on players. Open Meccano, the money they spent on him was a preemptive strike to sign him at his release clause before it expired and it went to a bidding war with English teams in the summer. So even even that money that they spent, even that huge amount of money they spent in Bayern terms was actually a bargain compared to what he ended up could have costing them. So, you know, it's 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 really interesting how they do kind of fix this problem because they can't or they won't uh, just go out and spend fifty or sixty million euros on a on a central defender like perhaps Manchester City or Man United might do. Yeah, uh, I think the next question came from Nick. Uh, so, Nick, if you're still listening, if you still want to ask, the um, floor is yours. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, uh, my question is regarding, so this has obviously caught us all by a bit of a surprise. Um, Dortmund going out all in to get uh, perhaps one of the better centre-backs in the world right now with a history of more going for the, the lower or perhaps stars in the future, thinking like... Maxi Philip or Milos um, Jovic to go back a really long time. Um, does this show perhaps a different intent on Dortmund's part to that there needs to be more money spent where perhaps waiting a couple of years down the line and pushing it off perennially just isn't going to work? Or is this just something that was, especially in hindsight, really, really necessary? Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start, Hello. and then Stefan, you can. Ask. Um, Hello. I think this was just. Really... Hey, can you just mute, please? Thanks. Um, I think it, this was this was very necessary uh, in terms of in terms of like adding like adding a player to a position where they had they had a huge hole, and um, in Niklas Süle, if you have a, a player available. Uh, on on a free transfer like him, this is something you need to do. I think, or like you need to pursue. 
of course, getting it done is is a completely different different story. And the fact that they got it done is, I think, is very much remarkable um, because this is this is a big signing and for you know. Volker Struth is a very good agent and I suspect that he wanted a sizable sign-on and the salary demands that I've heard are a little bit higher than what has been reported. Um, so I, I think um, they are definitely went out, they needed some player and it's a statement, it's a huge statement. Um, perhaps to to answer your question, it is and it does go away a little bit of what they have done in the past for sure uh, in terms of like maybe finding someone who they can develop I think they realized that they needed something to, they needed a piece that they can add and will work right away. And um, I think they did exactly that. And it is, it is a big signing and it is a remarkable signing. What do you think, Stefan? Yeah, not a huge amount to add to that, except maybe that obviously Silla isn't your typical profile player who Dortmund would sign uh, because he's not exactly one that they're going to train up and try and flog to the Premier League. Uh, He's, even though he is 26, he is technically, you can maybe describe him as a late bloomer because of the nature of his injuries. And, you know, you can maybe go so far as to say there's still more to come of him. So I guess technically he's a player who Dortmund have signed thinking he will get better. Uh, but it's exciting and encouraging for Dortmund fans, I think, that he's a kind of player that they're not probably going to try and sell on. It's a player they would probably try and use to build a squad, build a team around and... That's been something that's been desperately missing for some time now. Um, I think that's probably been the main thing that Dortmund fans have been furious about since the sense that, yeah, it's all well and good if you can scout the stars of tomorrow, but if you're not going to bring in, you know, a defensive midfielder or, you know, a really rough and tumbled uh, central defender, fullbacks, it's all really for nothing. Um, we have seen some encouraging signs. I think Cobell coming in, goalkeeper, that was really encouraging because you're obviously talking about it. That's a position that Dortmund have, in my opinion, completely overlooked for the best part of 10 years, maybe, or at very least since Weidenfeller left. Um, Sula not only is a very good player who designed, but he's also a player that Dortmund fans probably don't have to worry about the club selling to Manchester United in a couple of years' time. Maybe they will, who knows? Because uh, he'll be 28 by then, he'll be at his prime. Maybe he'll be worth selling, I don't know. But it's not... Um, and it's it's not one that I think Dortmund fans have to worry about. So that's very encouraging in my opinion. So um yeah, not a great player, but also perhaps suggestion that the club are getting very real about the demands of building a squad rather than just a roster of stars of tomorrow. Hey, I think we have well time for one more. Uh and Tilo, I saw you tried earlier. Um so here you go. Hello guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfectly. Um, I'm cutting it out. I guess my connection is just too bad. But if you hear me, um, one guy that I haven't heard much talk about is Michael Zorg. I mean, you want to comment on that for a second? Because that's some savvy business, keeping it quiet all winter transfer and then dropping this little gem just a week later. Yeah, Stefan, you want to maybe shoot on this one first? I was quite enjoying the background music there, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know if Tilo <laughs> wants to just kind of keep playing that music. That was quite was quite relaxing. Um, yeah, it's a fair point. You know, I think Zark's been getting a lot of um, criticism the last couple of years. He's obviously moving on uh, at the end of the year. Again, I mean, I don't know if Tilo heard this at the top of the show, but we were kind of saying that on the podcast, this, uh, you know, if, if, if Dortmund were going to sign Sula, today would have been the perfect time to do so 
because you know everyone's furious about the Leverkusen deal. So again, part of it, I think is to do with the fact that his agent made certain comments over the course of the weekend. But I think another part possibly is Dortmund saying, "Hey, look, this is all tied up. Let's just announce it, have some fun, give the fans something to get excited about before the summer." Um, but yeah, it's a very good point. Um, Sorg's done a great deal getting his deal over the line. It's a big deal for Dortmund. It's a big deal for German football. Uh, it's a, it's it's like the transfer equivalent of like a six pointer if you want to use that horrendous cliche term. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it'd be really interesting to see what happens there between them the summer. I don't think, I don't think Sul is enough. You know, we kind of talked on the podcast this week or the show last night that. If I, if I do have some sympathy for Marco Rosa this season um, in terms of not blaming him entirely for this team, it's the fact that Dortmund really haven't put their money where their mouth is yet since he's came in. Uh, I just really don't think Cobell and Daniel Malin were enough for uh, to, to, to take this club, to take this team to a certain level. So, so there's a great step in that direction, but I think I think if that's if that's the the, the extent of Dortmund's summer moves, then uh, they might find themselves in a similar position next season as they are now. They have to use this and continue to build on it, and really build a proper team, uh, and then you know I mean I guess Michael Zorg wouldn't get the credit for that because he's moving on, but then Dortmund could maybe get some proper credit as opposed to just being known as this team that developed the stars of tomorrow for Man United, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. Yeah, I, I can't add much to it. And uh, to be honest, I also have to get started and um, get ready for that drive up to Whistler, Stefan. So we should probably wrap it up. But I have one final thought before we wrap it up. And then thank you so much for all, all the questions. I know there's more. And um, sh- always shoot us a, a, a tweet. Uh, my direct messages are open on Twitter too. Shoot us a mess- questions there. We can always answer them on the on the general podcast. So really, really, really appreciate you guys all listening um, but my final thought on this before we wrap this up Stefan what did Dortmund tell Volker Struth and Niklas Süle in terms of what they can win in, ter- in titles and what does that mean for Erling Haaland's future because one of the things that Struth and Süle will have asked is Haaland staying and I think I might, that's an interesting narrative. I may have an answer to that question. So, as you will know, as a youth player, Nicolas Sula actually played as a forward. And as anyone who watches the Bundesliga will know, he can't help himself. He absolutely adores running up the pitch, dribbling. You know, as I said in the podcast the other day, he looks like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. And, you know, he's he's a forward at heart. Now, what if Dortmund sat down and said, look, as you know, as everyone knows, Haaland is leaving for Real Madrid in the summer. You come in, we'll play you up front next season. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the masterstroke that Dortmund have been playing there. We're all sitting here playing checkers, they're playing chess. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's how they managed to convince them not to move to Chelsea or Barcelona. Okay. Um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> On that note... On that note, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back with a regular episode um, at the end of this week when I come back from skiing. And yeah, 
this has been fun. We'll probably do this more often when there is breaking news. Um, thanks again for your questions. And until next time, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.